Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come before you uh, and uh, approach you as a father. We pray that you would uh, bless this time, that your spirit would be at work among us to uh, help us just to understand uh, what you have done uh, with us, what you are doing in us, Lord, um, in this great work of salvation. Um, we pray that uh, you would uh, bless the discussion, that my uh, um, Lord would be able to uh, communicate what it is uh, biblical, and we um, would keep this uh, free from error. Pray all this in the name of your Son Jesus. Amen. So our topic today is adoption. Um, it's a topic that has not received as much attention in a lot of writings as justification or regeneration or even sanctification. And I believe that's uh, probably because it's not as controversial in a lot of ways. And the immediate consequences are not as dire if you're to get something wrong than if you get something wrong with, say, justification. Uh, just as a quick example, uh, justification receives six paragraphs or points in the Westminster Confession of Faith. Sanctification, three. And adoption, just one. Uh, this does not mean it is not an important topic, though. Um, in fact, I hope with this lesson today, we'll, I'll be able to show you that's one of the most glorious and practical blessings that we receive in Christ. So um, I'm actually going to go about this a little bit different today. You know, usually we kind of define the doctrine at the beginning, ask what it is. I'm going to wait to do that at the end. Um, but we're going to go through and ask uh, a series of questions. And they are, who adopts? Who is adopted? How are we adopted? When are we adopted? Why are we adopted? For what purpose are we adopted? What is the result of our adoption? And then finally, what is adoption? And I actually put those questions, if you can see the little messenger thing, or chat thing in the Jitsi, I put those in there just now, um, if you want to follow along with that. So the first question is, who adopts? And specifically, I'm looking for who's the parent in uh, this adoption. So uh, let's look at Ephesians 1, 3 through 5. Ephesians 1, 3 through 5. And if someone would be willing to uh, read that, that'd be great. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Yeah. Yeah. So what do we, who do we see as, as the parental figure in this passage? God the Father. God the Father, yeah. Um, it, I, it's a little bit clearer in the NAS, I think, than the ESV. Uh, does someone have the NAS? I don't know if that's what you're reading or not. 
Uh, no, actually, I was reading the ESV. But uh, sorry, I don't have that in front of me right now. But but yeah, it, it's it's God is adopting us for adoption as sons, and it's to Himself. Um, and and we see that it's God the Father back in verse three, right? That this is talking about blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, let's flip over to First John. We see this there too. First John three one, and I'll go ahead and read this. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. I mean, there it's in some ways it's not quite as clear because it just calls us children of God, right? But yet it's as a result of the love that the Father is bestowing on us. And uh, then I'll go on ahead and if you want to flip over there, you can. I'll go ahead and just read it real quick. This is probably the clearest passage. John 20, chapter 20. Verse 17, and this is Jesus after the resurrection speaking to Mary Magdalene. Uh, Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. So we can see here that our Father is the same as Jesus' Father. And the only one who can claim to be Jesus' Father is um, the uh, God, the Father. So, so that's the first question. So the next question we'll look at is: is who is adopted? Who is adopted? So, um, and and I guess, sorry, real quick before we go there, you'll you'll notice there that Jesus and we have the same father, right? And, and there's a little bit of a concept that we'll talk about more where we're actually in the same family, right? We both have the same father. And because of that, he is our brother. And we'll, we'll see that more as we go on. Um, so Romans 8, Romans 8, verse 29. Would someone be willing to read that? Please. Eight twenty-nine. That's correct. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Yeah. So what do we see here about who who is? And, and again, we're seeing it more from the perspective of brotherhood here. What do we see here about who is adopted? Those who God has elected. Yeah. So those whom God has predestined, right? Or known, elected. Yeah. So that's, that's one thing that we can see. And let's go on ahead and narrow this down a little bit more. And, and this is really, um, this will kind of come up with another question later. Uh, but let's uh, look at John 1, 12. And I'll go ahead and read that one. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to. Um, we're going to be turning to Galatians here in a moment. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, 
he gave the right to become children of God. So there we see it's it's not just those whom God predestined, but it's to all who received Jesus, right? Uh, this is talking about Jesus, sorry, the light of the world. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So if we go to Galatians now, this is, we'll see, kind of see the same concept. And Galatians 3, verses 26. Yeah, 26 through 29. Um, would someone be willing to read that? Starting in verse 26. That's correct. Yeah. Um, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Okay. So what do we see here about who is adopted? It's those who are in Christ. Those who are in Christ, yeah. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago, right? Union with Christ. Um, yeah, it's those... For sons of God through faith in Christ, baptized in Christ, put on Christ. Yeah. Now, the reason why I'm kind of emphasizing this a little bit is because there is a concept, um, and it's promoted by have secular uh, uh, studies that have been done, and also I think liberal theologians of the uh, universal fatherhood of God and the universal brotherhood of man. And there are places kind of where we can kind of see things like this um, I, I, in uh, where it does seem like God says he's like a father of all mankind almost. But it, it, it's, it's not the same thing here as what we're talking about with adoption. Um, it seems to be if there is that concept, it is much more of just, you know, God is the creator of all things. And therefore, kind of, you could refer to him as a father in that. But it's, it is not adoption. It is not a, a familial father uh, relationship. But uh, Paul, in his discussion at Areopagus, kind of mentions the pagan philosophers saying how we are all children of God. And that's one of the places that they turn to. But again, it's not the same thing here because we see with adoption, with children of God, it's those who are have put their faith in Christ, or united with Christ, and that is not the whole world. Um, all right. So we've seen who adopts, kind of, who's the parental figure of this adoption. And then we've seen who is adopted. And now we're going to look at how are we adopted? How are we adopted? And I think, Chris, you, were, you basically said it already. To a certain extent, does anyone see in this passage how it is that we are children of God? Sons of God. Through faith. Through faith, right? And it's through faith. And, and then later on it says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, right? We are sons through our union with Christ. And if you are Christ, 
and you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Uh, sorry, quick look at my notes. Another, if we flip over a couple pages back to Ephesians 1, it says, In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. And if you remember back in John 1, 12, it said, as many as believed in him, he gave the right to become children of God. It's through Jesus that we have the right, the authority to be children, to be sons of God, and it is our union with him. Any questions so far at all about this? I know we're kind of going baby steps in some ways through this. And there's going to be a lot of overlap between the different questions. Right. So let's uh, look at the next question. And that is, uh, when are we adopted? And uh, yeah, back at, uh, anyone want to take a stab at that based on what we've read so far? I'd say one way to say it is that it's when uh, redemption is applied to us. Um, in other words, it's when we have faith in Christ and being in Christ, one of the benefits we have is adoption. Yeah. You know, it's it's when we talk, we've talked about, you know, we have this cause and effect or logical priority for a lot of these uh, parts of the order. But, you know, with a lot of these things, it just happens in, in time you know, when God regenerates us. Uh, he calls us, you know, we, we not in that order, uh, but we have faith and we have union with Christ and we're justified and adopted, right? It's it's all in an instant in time as far as we're concerned. Now, there are things that we said where there are more processes or there, there are some things that are just like definitive, they happen at one point in time. What about with this one? What, what, look, look at that, look at Galatians 3. Again, what, what do you see there? Does it look like it's a process more or that it's a one-time act? That's Galatians 3, 26 through 29. But if you want to look at the larger context, you're certainly welcome to. I say it's, um, I mean, going back to what I said earlier when we looked at this is, you know, it's union with Christ is here. And it, it seems to be the indication of the passage is that if you're united to Christ, then um, you have been adopted. You are a son of God um, at that point. So um, I would say that the indication of this passage is that that's something that the moment you're united to Christ, it's a reality. It's not something that yeah. you progressively become more and more a child of God, but just like yeah. at this moment, definitively, you are a child of God. Yeah. It doesn't just start there and then continue. Yeah. No, I mean, for in Christ Jesus, you are 
all sons of God's faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, have you have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's no male and female, for you are present, all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. And then uh, going back to the first John 3 passage, it says, you know, uh, what kind see what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. We are children of God. Um, yeah, it's a one-time act uh, that makes us that way. Let's see here. Man, note for if that. I, man, if yes. I might add something. Sure. So that's important to remember, but we may not always come to grasp that ourselves. We may come to wrestle with that. And so sometimes we often act like orphans, even though we are sons. Yes. No, absolutely. We can struggle with that and think maybe we're, yeah, we act, either act like orphans or we try to go back to our old natures, uh, children of wrath. But no, uh, we are now children of God. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's a good point. Any other comments before we move on to the next point? Next question. Well, Ben, I did want to bring up something that um, I, you know, means as we're working together, I've had a preview of your notes and it's in your notes on this point, but you haven't mentioned it. So I don't know if you moved it to a different spot or not, but um, I, the, I mean, we talked about that it's a one-time act, but in your notes, you mentioned that it's a one-time judicial act. Um, yes. were, you planning, were you planning to address that elsewhere? Um. No, not exactly. I actually kind of let end up taking okay. out my notes to an extent. Yeah, okay. it is a judicial act, and that uh -huh. and actually, uh, you know, it it's if you read commentators, they talk about how it's something that Paul seems to have taken from the Roman judicial system as a concept to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. um, it's not something that was really a concept in Jewish culture, mm -hmm. uh, but it is in Roman culture. This Jewish. Uh, Thing, uh, that Jewish judicial act you could you could go you could do where you could adopt someone as an heir, right? Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things, part of why I took it out is, as I was reading more, I see yes, it is judicial act, but it's there's a familial aspect to it too, um, and so I, I didn't want to say it's just a judicial thing. To a yeah, I, I I mean I I think I think that can come from like a a misunderstanding of or or a bad connotation to judicial as if it's like mm -hmm. it's like cold and um you know yes. that there's there's no there's no emotion to it or anything like that and i think that would be a wrong way to look at judicial but yes. i i think that it is particularly important and helpful as we look at all the aspects of the application of redemption that we mm -hmm. at least at least make an attempt to categorize them as to whether they're in the legal category or the transformative category. category and this is very yeah. much just in the legal the legal right. category yes, right there. yeah and that's that's not to remove the the emotion the compassion and all that from it yeah but just that it's something that like when we're adopted it's not something that that has an effect on who yes. we are in ourselves it's a it's a it changes 
our standing our status, before God. Not relationship. Now, I mean, yes. obviously, it's a motivation for us. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a motivation for us to change our behavior. But as far as what it is, what it itself is, that it's it's yes. simply a legal thing. Yes, and that, that sort of goes back to my earlier comment. You know, I think that's oftentimes why we struggle. You know, because it doesn't mean like something changes mm-hmm. in us that we understand that yeah. we're adopted children. We have to sort of grow into our understanding of that legal standing before God. Yes, absolutely. And we'll talk more, a little bit more about yeah, that. And, Not quite so much, but yeah. Go on. And, yeah, and in that sense, it's, I mean, it's very similar to justification, which again is a legal thing. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but like when I find myself sinning, sometimes it's like, Am I really justified? You know, it's like, it's, yeah. you know, so it's like these are these are legal realities that the Bible declares yeah. are true of all of God's people. Uh, um, but, you know, because it's just like we just have God's word that is true. We don't we don't experience it in our lives. Then sometimes it's a struggle yeah. to to really grasp it. So that's true. Yeah. both justification and adoption. That is a good point. Anything else before we before we go on? All right, but yeah, no, it it is important to remember that because, and I think, and I do remember you bringing that up with justification. I think, um, or, or some other, it was one of the other judicial aspects where it's like you know when you mix it up and confuse it, then it can get really depressing at times because we don't always live that way. Um, but it's good to remember that this is a judicial thing that, you know, God is working in us to conform us to that reality spiritually, but that does not change the judicial aspect, no matter where we are on that um, scale. The judicial aspect is set. We are children of God. So uh, the next question is, uh, why are we adopted? And uh, if we go back to Ephesians 1, uh, starting with those last two words from verse 4, it says, uh, In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. So what, what do we see there about the reason why? Why would God adopt us? And, and there's two different, sorry, with why there can be two different, there's two different aspects of the question why, and, and the next question is one aspect, and that's for what purpose. You can say why, meaning like what, for what purpose are we adopted? But I'm not asking that so much. I'm kind of going back to the cause in the sense of like, why would God choose us out of all people to adopt us? Well, I think it's those first two words. Those last two words of verse four, the in love, you know, the in love. He, he set his love upon us. Now, why he did that, I don't know. Yeah, well, it's it's and it's. I mean, you can draw from implication. I think in uh, verse six, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Right, it's because of God's grace. But yeah, again, why, why God show grace towards us? It's no idea. He didn't have to didn't have to have us as sons, but he did. He decided to. And uh, also at this point, uh, looking 
more closely there, it says, uh, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Um, not only is that because we are blessed in Christ, but what is, uh, let's flip over a couple pages back to Galatians 4. Um, if someone could read Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. I can do it. Sure. <clears throat> it's in NKGV. So, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under law. And verse redeem, five. Yeah, excuse me. <clears throat> to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. So what obligation do we see being taken away here, basically? being fulfilled here um, so that we can be redeemed and so that we, sorry, that we can be adopted. It, do, it doesn't have anything to do with redemption, does it? <laughs> I kind of tipped my hand there a little bit, didn't I? Yes. No, this, why are we adopted? Well, partially it's because Jesus fulfilled our redemption. He accomplished it right on the cross and this is the part of the application of our redemption. But it's good to remember just the high cost that it took for us to be adopted. Um, God gave his only begotten son so that he could have all these other sons who didn't want him in the first place. Let's remember. All right. Any questions before we move on to the next point? All right, so uh, next next question is for what purpose, which is the other side, why? Um, and back in Ephesians 1, 6, we, we already kind of read that. What, uh, does someone remember what was said there? Or they can do just a couple pages over. It's to the praise of his glorious grace. Um, yeah. 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 God wants it's to the praise of His grace. God, God is uh, adopting us in this marvelous display, glorious display of grace, and it's so that we can worship Him, we can praise Him, right? Um, but it's not only that. If you uh, remember back in Romans eight twenty nine, we read this earlier. It says, uh, "For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined." to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Uh, God has raised up a family for himself, and he wants Jesus to be preeminent over them. He's going to be the firstborn among many brothers. Um, God is, again, out of his grace, no other reason, his love is raising up this family um, that Jesus might be preeminent to the praise, the glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. And just for the record, sorry, before we go on to the next question, that is the glorious grace of our God and Father. Um, but that glorious grace, as we said already, is Christ himself that he has given us. 
Um, so the net last, not the last question. The next question is, uh, what is the result of our adoption? What is the result of our adoption? And uh, I got, I have four points here, and we'll just go through them one at a time. And uh, I'm going to post them as we go through them in the messenger. Um, and I got these uh, from Senator Ferguson. Um, the first one is we enjoy the liberty of the children of God. So let's go back to uh, Galatians 3. And let's read a slightly different portion of it. Galatians 3, 23 through 26. And I'll go on ahead and read this. We're going to read Galatians 3, 23 through 26. And then we'll skip down to chapter 4 and read the first seven verses of chapter 4. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. And then skipping down, or first Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Then skipping down to verse, chapter 4, verse 1. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers, the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So do you see this concept of we enjoy the liberty of the children of God in here? If anyone can take a stab at trying to explain that. Can you repeat the question, Ben? It, it broke sure. up a little bit when you're asking. Sorry. Uh, so the, the, this point is we enjoy the liberty of the children of God as a result of our adoption. So where do we see that in this passage, that how we enjoy the liberty of being the children of God, sons of God? Thanks. No problem. Well, there, there's a sense in, in which, uh, you know, as sons, we receive his spirit. That, that he talks about. And, and so we're no longer, um, you know, need a guardian. Uh, we're no longer slaves. Uh, we now have the freedom that um, we have received the blessings and, and even that we will be heirs. Because yeah. We are sons. Yeah. And, and, and there's even a cons. I mean, I want to go, but, but before we were under the law, right. As a tutor, as a guardian, what it says, we we're captive under the law, imprisoned, um, and, and that's. But uh, God has now released us from that, and this isn't the only way that that comes up. Um, obviously, justification is a big part of that too. Um, and so the law is 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 we were we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world, right? But now we are sons, and so we're heirs, and we're not, we, we're the owner of everything, and we don't, we're not a captive to the law as a tutor anymore, right? Uh, there is no trying to earn the favor 
of the Father are the Father's own. And the Father, he as a good Father, as the perfect Father actually, loves us completely. Um, and so, where there's no, yeah, we're not trying to earn his favor. The law is not there to condemn us, to teach us, whatever. It's there instead, um, as we will see later in sanctification, uh, just to conform us to the image of the Son as a rule of life um, through the Spirit working in us. You know. In Romans 8, 14 through 15, we see this, this, this same a similar concept. And, and just as a reminder for Galatians, the context, if you remember the Galatians Christian, Galatian Christians, they were trying to go back to some of the, like the ceremonial law and, and some of these other things, try and, because they're like, we have to do these extra things, right, to earn our redemption. And because of that, justification is a huge part of Galatians because it's not understanding that reality that, no, we are justified. But it's also, that's adoption. Again, it's that one-time legal act, judicial act. It's not understanding that either, that we are now sons of God. We have the inheritance, and we don't have to go back to those things to earn it or whatever. Um, Galatians 8, 14 and 15. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Again, we just see that, you know, we're not slaves anymore. We're children. Any questions or comments before we move on to the next point? Well, ben, one, one of the things, we were watching a uh, Sinclair Ferguson uh, video on teaching on the upper room. And, and he made the point that I thought was very good. He said, you know, by nature, humanity likes law because law mm -hmm. gives something to do. He says, whereas grace is something we receive. And he said, we yes. don't like to risk, we like to do. And uh, so, you know, this is a, a, a good reminder that as sons, we do receive his blessing and, and the things that yes. we have. In but sometimes that's hard for us, you know, even as believers, yeah. because we do have that tendency uh, still to want to make our way back to the law. So it's just amazing. You read Hebrews, you read Galatians. You know, people are always trying to go back to what they were before because that just feels so much more comfortable, unfortunately. Yes. Yeah. No, it's very true. Anything else? Um, so, and I'll, I'll just mention as an aside, um, Sinclair Ferguson is someone who is, as I mean, I'm using his points here, Pastor Franks just mentioned, but he's done a lot of writing and thinking about adoption and its role in the Christian life. Uh, if you want to look at someone who's who's done more on that. All right. So the next point is uh, we have an inheritance through our elder brother, Jesus Christ. And this has already been brought up a little bit. Um, let's turn over to uh, Hebrews. Hebrews 2. See, I mean, Actually, remember this from actually it was a while ago, <laughs> a couple months ago. Um, Hebrews 2 10 and 11. 10 and 11. Some of you want to read that. For 
for it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Uh, verse 11, too? Yes. Okay. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Yeah. So we see here that Jesus is our brother, right? He's not ashamed to call us brothers, in fact, which is should give us pause because, I mean, how many times have we shamed of our family or, or whatever if they've done something that we deemed for some reason unworthy or uh, just stupid or whatever? But yet Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers. We who are and, uh, are at, as uh, um, from our na very nature children of wrath until he redeems us. And even when we're redeemed, even when we're saved, we still struggle to live as be, as a as a son of God. Anyway, sorry, that was just an aside. Yes, he's, he we are his brother. Um, so let's now look at. Yeah, I'll I'll just go ahead and, and, and kind of read this one myself. You don't have to go back to it. But Romans eight twenty nine again. It was for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now, what do we know from Jewish culture about the firstborn, especially the firstborn son? They get everything. They get everything. That's how it should be. No, firstborn son. Spoken well, like two yeah. firstborn sons. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now, uh, we. Uh, the, the firstborn son gets everything, right? And uh, Jesus is the firstborn. But we, we see something a little bit uh, strange as we read more in the scriptures. In Hebrews 12.23, if you want to turn over a few chapters to there, Hebrews 12.23, we read this. And to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. And I'm not going to get into the context. I just want to look at that first section of the verse it says in the assembly of the firstborn my understanding is in this passage that firstborn is actually plural there like the assembly of the firstborn it's not the assembly of those who it, it, it's the firstborn are the assembly um flipping over to exodus really quick exodus 4 and this is uh, uh, one of the few occasions in the scripture where we kind of see, uh, not in the, in the Old Testament, where we see uh, God taking on a fatherly role uh, clearly and us being sons. Let's see, it. Exodus 4, verse 22. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. So we see here that Israel, the covenant people, right, of God, he's declaring to be his firstborn son. Now Jesus is the firstborn. So how is that how is that possible? Any thoughts?
you remember how it is that we, we receive our adoption? Going back a few questions. What's through Christ? It's, it's union with Christ, right? We are, remember back in that Galatians passage, you said, you know, there's no male or female, Jew or Greek. We're all one in Christ Jesus, right? Um, and going back to Ephesians 1, it says, In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. In verse 11 we read, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. It's in Christ. We have been united to Christ, and therefore he gets everything as the older brother. But he's since we're united to him, we get that too in one sense. And uh, it's a glorious thing to, to realize that God has not, we, we who are, you know, again, by nature, children of wrath, God has blessed us so magnificently, so graciously. Um, yeah, Galatians 4, 7 again. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And uh, if you wouldn't mind turning to Romans 8 really quick, son would be willing to read Romans 8, 16 and 17. Romans 8, 16 and 17. I got that. <clears throat> the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. Yeah. And that passage says it fairly clearly. We are heirs with Christ. And uh, we'll look more into the whole suffering thing here in a moment. But, uh, yeah, it's, again, just a glorious thing. Um, and if you continue reading on in chapter 8, you'll see some of that inheritance and the waiting that we do for that inheritance in the uh, next several verses. Uh, so uh, next point, and before we go on to the next point, sorry, is there any questions or comments that people want to make or have? So the next uh, point is we have an experience boldness before the face of God. And honestly, I, I can't really think of any better place to reference this than Matthew 6. Right now, Matthew 6. Um, so just, just to recall, this is the God who made everything, who is holy, who when Isaiah saw him, he said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts, right? And yet, how does Jesus teach his disciples to pray to this God in Matthew 6, 9? Would someone be willing to read that? I can. Sure. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. 
So, I mean, I, I've read some uh, scholars and they say, you know, that there have been studies done and there really aren't any references to Jews addressing God, talking to God, praying to God as a father um, until I think like sometime AD, basically, they're, they're, that concept came out more. I mean, there there is a concept, you know, there is the concept of God being a father, but it's not some in a way that they would address in that way. I, you remember the Pharisees said, we have one God, we, we have one father, that's God, right? Back when in, in John, when Jesus is talking to them. So they do have the concept of God as father, but it's not something that, as far as we can tell, scholarly pursuits, that, that that's how they addressed him. But yet now, Jesus is teaching his disciples, we can come before this God who is in heaven and call him our father. Um, that is just a truly glorious blessing. Um, Galatians 4, 6, again, sorry, Galatians and, and Romans both have extended sections talking about adoption more than most, uh, anywhere else in the Bible. And uh, so it's uh, just kind of go back and forth between those two. But yeah, Galatians 4, 6, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And then in, in the Romans passage, in Romans 8, we see a very similar thing here. For, uh, yeah, Romans 8, 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, just as a reminder, we are talking about the results of adoption here. So this is not, because of our adoption, it says, God has sent the Spirit into our hearts crying. And back in Galatians, it said, you know, Abba, Father, uh, because we are sons and children. So again, this is not so much transformative thing, as we were talking about earlier. It is a judicial thing. But after it's done, God does do things in us, including one of these things, giving us the spirit of adoption, uh, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And, and and just looking at this passage, this is something that Christians do. It's not uh, not saying we do it perfectly. Again, we're all being sanctified to different degrees, different um, speeds, if you will, here on earth. But we call God Father. We cry out to Him, Abba, Father. Um, and not only that, but if you look closely at Galatians 4, what is, what is the difference? There's a lot of similarities between Romans 8 and 15 and Galatians 4, 6, but does anyone see a, a, a difference there? Maybe if I can, if I, 
to make the question a little easier, is there who who's calling Abba Father in Romans eight versus Galatians four? Well, in Romans eight, it says it's the Spirit that cries out. Um, actually, I think it's Galatians four it says that. But yeah, no, so, no. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so Romans eight is is that we as sons cry out, Abba, Father. Right, mm -hmm. and then Galatians is the spirit yeah. um, in our hearts is crying, Abba, Father. Yeah, and it's by the spirit that in Romans 8, we receive the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. But yeah, there's there's a slight distinction there. Uh, Sinclair Ferguson, again, talking about this passage, he likes to make the point, you know, it's kind of going back to, you know, and in, in, in Jewish tradition, you know, something's confirmed or, or, or is it, I'm sorry. I shouldn't speak extemporaneously about things that I haven't studied as much. Uh, but yeah, he, he talks about how it's something being confirmed to a certain extent by the mouth of two witnesses, right? We're crying out our Father and the Spirit's crying out our Father. So just confirming that we are indeed children of God. Uh, yeah, no, and, and the last uh, passage I want to look at here for this point, and I'm going to have to kind of wrap up go quickly over the last point, is John 20, 17. We read this earlier. John 20, 17. Uh, it's again Jesus speaking to Mary Magdalene after the resurrection. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. I, I read a couple different people in this passage, both of whom I respect a lot. And one of them looked at this and said, you know, what's it? They said, you know, what's being emphasized in this passage is that, you know, Jesus has a special relation to the Father because he's the only begotten to of the Father. That's why he doesn't say, our Father. He says, my Father and your Father, because there's a uniqueness to his relationship to the Father. He is the only begotten, he is the natural born. We are adopted. And then I read someone else on it, who again, who I respect a lot. They're like, no, it's just emphasizing the fact that we have the same father. It's your father and it's my father. And I, I think they're both right to a certain extent. You know, Jesus is the only begotten of the father. He is the only son of God. But yet we do share in the same father. Our father does love us indeed as sons through Christ. Um, and we can come boldly before him as a result of this. All right, so really quick on the last point. Uh, Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. We haven't gotten to this point in Hebrews yet. Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. It says this. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not guard lightly the discipline of the Lord nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? In which all have participated. 
here, sorry, if you have are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we might share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And sorry, I forgot to mention what this point is, and that's we experience affliction. A result of our being adopted is we experience affliction here on earth. It's not affliction that is pointless. It's affliction that comes because God loves us as sons, and he is disciplining us. He is teaching us. Um, in fact, if we don't experience affliction, it says we should be a little bit concerned here almost from this passage. Um, but no, it's for what son is there whom his father does not discipline him? But uh, in a, down verse 10, he disciplines us for good that we may share his holiness. Um, back over in Ephesians, not Ephesians, sorry, Hebrews 5. We were just there a few weeks ago. Hebrews 5, 8. Um, we read, although he was a son, and this is talking about Jesus, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Right? And I, I don't know if you remember, but Pastor Frank's talked about it's like it's not that Jesus wasn't obedient beforehand, and then he became obedient. No, it's um, an aspect where you know he's he's learned to be obedient even in the face of temptation. You know, he's he's experiencing that temptation, but yet without sin that we have. He is in experienced everything that we have as humans. He was a real human, yet without sin. And he learned what it meant to be obedient, even though the temptation keeps coming back again and again and again and again as part of his human nature, right? And uh, and then flipping over back to Romans 8 really quick. Romans 8, 17. And if children and heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. God uses the pattern of suffering to glory. He used it with his son, and because we are sons also, he uses it with us. Um, now, it's, it's a little different with us. We has, he has sin, he's sanctified. We have sin, he is sanctifying us. Sorry. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it is a comfort to remember in the time of affliction that God, as our Father, loves us. And though he is bringing affliction to us, it's not necessarily that he is uh, stamping. It's not because we're like deep in some sin necessarily, and he's stamping that out. No, he is teaching us to learn to trust him more, to learn to love him more, and to depend on him more. Because he wants the best for us, because we are sons of the living God. Um, really quick, uh, I haven't really talked too much about priority or, or the uh, order salutis too much. I mean, we talked about it coming through union with Christ, but there in the scriptures it does seem that there is a, I'm going to say a priority, not cause, 
uh, of justification over adoption. And we kind of see that in passages like the Galatians. I'm not going to go back there right now where, um, you know, our first need is that we should need to be justified. We need to be reconciled to God. But then uh, God stacks blessing upon blessing. And he also adopts us. And uh, and also out of that, it seems like there's a priority of adoption then over sanctification because it's partially because we're sons and God is conforming us to the image of his son that he is sanctifying us. Not a cause and effect. These are all flowing out of union with Christ, but a logical kind of priority given from one to the other. Does that make sense to everyone? Hopefully. Um, so the last question then is what is adoption? And uh, here's this definition from the Westminster Larger Catechism. Adoption is an act of the free grace of God in and for his only son, Jesus Christ, whereby all those that are justified are received into the number of his children, have his name put upon them, the spirit of his son given to them, are under his fatherly care and dispensations, admitted to all the liberties and privileges of the sons of God, and made, and made heirs of all the promises and fellow heirs with Christ in glory. Um, and then the very last thing, I had a little bit more I wanted to share, but the very last thing I'll say, and I'll close in prayer. Uh, Dr. Derek Thomas, He's preaching a sermon on adoption, and he mentioned this anecdote the time that he was in uh, Israel. And uh, this is what he says. I'll never forget walking down the streets of Jerusalem. Of course I knew it. Of course I knew that little children call their fathers in the Hebrew tongue, Abba. Of course I knew that. But seeing and hearing little children pull on their father's sleeve in the streets of Jerusalem and say, Abba, Abba, Abba brought it home to me once again. The relationship that God by his grace has brought us into through faith in Jesus Christ, that this great God, this sovereign God, this electing God, this predestinating God, this God who made the heavens and the earth, this creating God, this God of providence, this God who knows no bounds, this God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This God who sits upon the circle of the earth and all the inhabitants are as but a drop in the bucket. This God is our father. He is our father. I say I'm the child of the king. I'm the child of the king. So let's let's pray to our father in heaven. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we do thank you that you have shown this great love. What manner of love is this, God, that you have shown us? That we should be called children of God, and so we are. Oh, Lord, help us just to remember that we are indeed sons of God. Even when we are stumbling, we are falling. Lord, you are working in us. Um, and uh, you have not stopped loving us because we are stumbling, because we are still your sons. And we have a hope. We have an inheritance, the first fruits of which we have received by the Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, uh, please help us to press on to the, upward, the goal of the upper call that uh, we may see you in glory, that we may reach that inheritance that we have in Christ.
pray this in his name, in the name of Jesus. Amen.